This is a Siku University Australia podcast, where we talk to some of the university's interesting characters. Uh, to kick off our latest podcast series, we're talking with Vice-Chancellor Professor Scott Bowman. Good morning, Scott. Hi, Priscilla. Um, to start with, can you tell us a little bit about the young Scott Bowman, about your life growing up in England? Yeah, sure. Uh, I come from a fairly small town in Northamptonshire, a, a big village really. Uh, my mother was evacuated there in the war and my father was posted there and they kind of got together. So they never went back to London and uh, Yorkshire where they came from. So they brought their family up uh, in this uh, town called Burton Latimer. Uh, and it was a great town. It was a, a town as a, a kid that had lots of fields. So we were always uh, playing in the woods and making camps and that sort of thing. Uh, I went to uh, a small uh, church school. Not that my family were religious, but it was the closest school. Uh, and I think that had around 80 people in. So that was my primary school. Um, and I it was a very happy uh, upbringing. And I, I remember loving all the nature walks and the science stuff at school um, and then there was no secondary school in the village so uh, then we had to uh, get buses uh, into the next town called Kettering where I went to a school called Henry Gotch. Um, back then it was the um, uh, you took the 11 plus and if you were really bright and did well in the 11 plus then you went to grammar school uh, if you didn't pass the 11 plus you went and you were religious, you went to the religious school. And if you were neither of those things and failed the 11 plus, then you went to Henry Gotch, which is where me and my brothers all went to. Um, and that was a great school. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's quite interesting. There's a Facebook group about it now, and I read that Facebook group, and there's a lot of people on there you know, really saying what a tough school it, it was and what a terrible time they had, you know, with the, the teachers sort of persecuting them and bullying them. i I got to say, I, I, that wasn't my experience. I had some really good friends there and it, it, it was just a, a great place to be. Uh, so I have very good memories of uh, both primary school and secondary school. So back then, what, did you have some career aspirations? Um... Oh, look, I guess my... First career aspiration, I can remember probably before I went to primary school, I really wanted to be a gardener. Uh, I, I loved gardening, I loved growing things. Um, and I guess that was, you know, when I was about four or five. Uh, then I really wanted to be a pilot. I think the first time we ever, I was about 11 and we went overseas. You know, we, we normally had holidays in England, but uh, mum and dad afforded a holiday to Yugoslavia, and we flew on a plane, and I was just bitten by the bug then and uh, wanted to be a pilot. Uh, and then much later, probably that went into wanting to be a medical doctor and go to medical school. So, uh, yeah, that's probably what I was thinking about back then. And, I mean, you eventually became a radiographer, so how did that come about? Yeah, so uh, luckily, you know, the comprehensive system came in while I was in education. So if I'd have been, you know, a few years earlier, I wouldn't have got the chance to stay on at school. Uh, but, you know, I was quite good at school uh, up until what would be the equivalent in Australia of year uh, 10. Uh, and didn't do too bad at O-levels. 
Um, and mum and dad uh, supported me and I stayed on into what we called the sixth form, but here it'd be 11 and 12. Uh, that was a very unusual thing to do. You know, I went to a school with about a thousand people at it. Uh, and I think from my year, there were probably 12 people that went into the sixth form, maybe 15 people went into the sixth form. So not many people did that. Uh, and definitely not people from my family. So, you know, mum and dad were really great in supporting me to stay on for year 11 and 12. Uh, but I must admit, I did terribly well during those years uh, and uh, really had done moderately well at O-levels but failed A-levels miserably. And, uh, you know, I think there's a number of reasons for that. But, you know, I, I think probably I parted like I should have parted when I got to university, but I did it in the sixth form. And, I, you know, I, I make lots of excuses, uh, but really I think that's the main reason. Okay, so... From there, you went. Yeah, to well, where? I I couldn't. I you know, as I said, I failed uh, A levels pretty comprehensively, um, and with A levels, you could get graded from A to E, uh, and I did three A levels: uh, uh, chemistry, physics, and biology, and I managed to scrape one E, <laughs> one E in biology. Um, so definitely didn't have the grades to get into university. Uh, but luckily, in those days, I did have the grades to get into radiography training, which in those days wasn't in a university. Uh, it was in a hospital-based system and working with a, a local TAFE. So I went to the Northampton, uh, Northampton General Hospital, uh, which was another trip from uh, Burton Latimer every day, uh, and did training there, and then did some physics at what then was Nen College, uh, which is now the University of Northampton. Okay. So, and you worked as a radiographer then yep. for a while? Uh, well, it was a two-year diploma, so I got the diploma. Uh, in the meantime, I'd fallen head over heels in love uh, with a, uh, a fantastic young woman that I met in the Sahara Desert, because <laughs> that's another story. Uh, and she was a medical student, much brighter than me. She, she was actually a medical student at Guy's Hospital. Uh, so as soon as I met her about a year into my radiography training, and as soon as I finished, you know, I moved to London. Uh, couldn't get a job as a radiographer. Um, and uh, so I was driving a little van. I convinced someone that I knew London like the back of my hand and make a really great delivery driver. So I got a job delivering rubber goods around London uh, and uh, was lost about 80% of the time. Uh, but did that for about six months, eight months. Uh, and then I, I got a, um, a, a job as a radiographer in a little tiny, quite strange hospital uh, called Highlands Hospital up in the north of London. Uh, meantime, uh, the woman I was telling you about, we got married. Uh, very young uh, and we're still married um, and so then I did a series of jobs uh, in London so at Highlands Hospital then I went as a radiographer at Chase Farm Hospital and then got a, a senior became a senior radiographer at uh, King George Hospital in Ilford 
a lot of these hospitals have been knocked down. They've kind of got knocked down after I left. And then uh, I became a senior radiographer at Lewisham General Hospital and did a lot of work at Sydenham Children's Hospital. So, yeah. Oh, and did, because we were young and we, you know, then we started producing children and we were very young and incredibly hard up for money. So I was also working almost every other night and every weekend doing locum work. So I worked in some of the really big, famous hospitals in London, but just moonlighting at night. I was just thinking about this the other day, Priscilla. You, you know, uh, you look at how, uh, you know, I was just thinking how lucky we are and how far we come. I can remember when we lived in London, uh, when we first got together, we walked about two miles. We needed a bucket. I can't remember why we needed a bucket, but we needed a bucket and we walked about a mile or two miles to the shop that sold buckets in London and we got there um, and we looked at the buckets and we looked at it for quite a while and they were something like two pounds and we really decided after a lot of discussion that we couldn't afford this bucket so we walked all the way back without the bucket and now you know you go down to Bunnings and you won't give buying a bucket a second thought so they were interesting times. So from those days, how on earth did you manage to get into academia? Yeah, well, I was really lucky uh, because um, I was interested in radiography, so you could do extra qualifications. So to get on in radiography and go up the ladder, you needed to get a higher diploma in radiography. So my uh, then I was living in Lewisham, and Anita was working at... Uh, Guy's Hospital, so my nearest school of radiography was Guy's Hospital, so I signed up there uh, to do a, a higher diploma in radiography, and I did that, uh, and that school was run by a woman called Margaret Howard, an incredible woman, uh, who, yeah, she was ferocious, um, and I remember I, I, I nearly failed some anatomy exams and she got me in to tell me that she wasn't going to put me in for the external exams because she thought I'd be a discredit to Guy's Hospital. Uh, and I made a really strong case, you've got to let me in. And I had a wife and a young baby downstairs and I had this headmistress telling me that she wasn't... So I held my own and I just argued I was going to do it and in the end she let me go in and do them and I... God, I worked my guts out and I passed all the exams. And anyway, she must have seen something in me because uh, she then approached me and said, look, we've got a student teacher job. Would you want to come and be a student teacher? Uh, and I jumped at it. It was really tough for us, though, because it was a drop in pay. So I was a senior radiographer doing lots of on-call uh, and I had to take a drop down to uh, be a student teacher. So it was a bit tough then. But, you know, I think that's a good thing. You know, sometimes you do have to go a bit backwards in pay to get on. So then I went there. So I'd got the higher diploma of the College of Radiographers. I then did the teacher's diploma of the College of Radiographers. Um, I did another TAFE course in teaching and assessment. Uh, but by then I was pretty much over radiography, learning more about radiography. You know, there's, there's only so much you can know about X-ray machines, although... To be honest, back then, CT and MR were just coming in. There was probably a lot more I could learn. But I really decided I, I wanted to do something else. Uh, in learning, that is. Um, and I could see that most of the health professions had gone over into universities. So physio had moved over into universities. 
speech path, a lot of them had already made that transition and instead of having diplomas had degrees. Uh, and in fact, you know, I could see that's the way we were going. So I also at that time was very interested in politics uh, and um, decided I'd really like to learn a bit more about politics. So, and I still can't understand how I manage this, but I went to City Polytechnic uh, and really argued the case that uh, having all this background in radiography really set me up very nicely to do a master's in politics and government. Okay. And um, I don't know, maybe they were desperate for students, but they let me on to the course. Uh, so I did a, a master's in politics and government. Um, and uh, that was on day release, so I, I think I went once a week or twice a week uh, just across the Thames over to City Polytechnic, which later became Guildhall University. And that was when I got educated. I think everything I'd done up to then was training, and it was all about vocational radiography. Uh, but doing politics, it was like someone taking blinkers off. Suddenly I was learning about all of these things, you know, words that I'd heard but didn't really understand what they meant. And it, it was, uh, you know, it was, I guess it was one of those educating reader kind of things, you know, where you suddenly take the blinkers off and you can see there is all this stuff to learn out there. Um, so that was an incredible process. But then I was in this weird situation. I was pretty young. Uh, I'm still, you know, 27 ish at that time uh, and suddenly found that I was in this uh, profession radiography and I think I was one of five radiographers in the UK with a master's degree um, so again it never <laughs> I've always been quite audacious so I then we it did all move over into the university and I was made uh, a principal lecturer so I went from a a student teacher to a principal lecturer, which is equivalent here as an, of a, an associate professor, incredibly quickly. In three or four years, I was there. Uh, and then they were looking for a, uh, a head of school of radiography up at Lancaster, well, at St. Martin's College, which was part of Lancaster then. So I applied for it. In fact, the first time I, I didn't, I, I got the application form and St. Martin's was a, a, a religious Anglican affiliations and there was about half a, half a page to put your experience and a full page to put your religious affiliations and experience. Well, I could fill the half page pretty well, but the full page I couldn't really put anything so I didn't apply, and then they advertised again, and they, uh, so I applied this time and left that page blank and got called for an interview and got the job. And I think I was, again, 27 or 28, and there I was as a head of school. Um, I remember one of the old, the old guard in radiography, one of the other heads of school, he, he actually wrote something, and he put something like, uh, you know, look at him, his ink's not even dry on his diploma, and he's uh, calling himself a head of school. Um, and then, you know, that was, I loved that job, fantastic job, and uh, worked with a great bunch of people. Uh, we built it into, um, I actually became a dean there, so the dean of the faculty after two or three years, uh, but I loved the head of 
uh, school job, we uh, we were all into rock climbing and podoling and mountaineering. Um, and we started taking a few students. Students were asked, "Can we come and work? You know, you're going rock climbing, or can we? Or you're going caving? Can we come with you?" So we started taking a few students. And then we built the school into doing outdoor education. So we're a school of radiography and outdoor education. So we're the only school of radiography, you know, that had on our inventory three X-ray machines and five thousand meters of rope. Uh, so uh, we, you know, we just had a ball. Uh, and uh, back then, I was really fit because we were running kids around the mountains and you know taking them all over the place. Then at the weekends, we'd rush up to Scotland and do mountaineering and ice climbing up there. Um, I'd always eaten, eaten like a pig. And then when I came to Australia, I carried on eating like a pig, but not running around the hill, so I put on lots of weight. But no, that was a great job. So that's kind of how I got into academia. And then, um, then I obviously did a PhD and then could see, well, you know, I do have aspirations to go into university management, and these are big, complex organisations. I probably need to know a bit about management and business, so I did an MBA. So I have got a, you know radiography qualifications, an MBA, a, a Master of Politics and a PhD, but I haven't got a first degree. I haven't got a bachelor's degree because I wasn't smart enough for a bachelor's degree. So well, ironic. maybe one day I'll go back and do a bachelor's to see if I can do one. <laughs> so how on earth did you um, come about moving to Australia? Uh, well, again, it's back to that woman that I met on the back of a truck in the Sahara Desert. And, uh, you know, I think one of the first times, you know, I was, well, let's be honest, when I was trying to chatter up on the back of the wagon, you know, she was saying, um, you know, one of the first things she said, you know, if you want to be with me, you've got to be prepared to live in Australia. And I thought, oh, I didn't realise we were talking this long term at this stage. Uh, so the story there is that she took a year out between school and going to med school. And she came to Australia for a year and travelled up the east coast from Sydney up to Cairns. And she just fell in love with the country, just absolutely loved it. So she, her heart was always in Australia, you know, when we, we first got together and had children. Um, I'm very British. I, I, I love Britain. Uh, I, you know, I, I am British. And I could never imagine living anywhere else but Britain. And doing my politics degree, that was all about British politics. You know, I, I find Britain a fascinating place. And I could never see myself living outside of Britain. Uh, England, in fact. Um, and we travelled a lot because, you know, we met travelling and we, we, I've always loved travelling. Uh, but then we did, when the kids were really young, I think they were, oh, what would they have been, four and six, uh, we did buy a really cheap round-the-world ticket um, and we did come to Australia. And almost immediately it was a country that I fell in love with and thought, you know, this is a country I could live in. You know, I could really live here... Uh, I loved the people. Uh, if, if you said, when did you decide that you wanted to live in Australia, I can tell you almost to the minute. Uh, I can tell you where. It was uh, up near Townsville. Uh, uh, it's, and I drive by it all the time when I'm going to different campuses. There's a wildlife 
park outside there. I forget what it's called. Is it Alligator Creek Wildlife Park? But it's where they have all the animals and things. Anyway, we were in Cairns and we got the bus down to Townsville and we hired one of these, you know, rent-a-wreck uh, camper van buses and we were going to drive down to Sydney. And we got to pick it up and it was in a little garage and, you know, it was a wreck. And the woman in the garage said, really sorry, the van's not ready, the clutch is broken um, and it's not going to be ready until late this afternoon. And we'd kind of got dropped off at this place, which, you know, was not near anywhere else. So we said, oh, OK, uh, but what are we going to do? And she said, well, there's the wildlife park about four kilometres down the road. Why don't you go there? And we said, well, how would we get there? We've got the two kids. And she said, oh, no problem, take my car. Oh, I've just got to get my shopping out the back of it. And she gave us a car, she gave us the keys... That would never happen in, in England. That kind of uh, thing would never happen. No, people wouldn't... Lend, I'm not even sure my brother would lend me his car. <laughs> but for a complete stranger to do that, and that kind of... That was the moment I thought, you know, these, these are incredible people. And, uh, you know, and there's good and bad in every country. I'm not saying everyone's like that. But our experience on that trip, and obviously Anita's experience in her year out, was that experience of um, the people... In Australia, um, and then add that to all the, you know, the natural beauty, the weather. Um, so it was the place we wanted to be. Um, so we went back, and I think we thought, well, the thought that, you know, by then I was a dean or a head of school. We thought we'd have to go back, and I'd probably, you know, I knew that they, uh, Australia was short of radiographers, so I thought, well, maybe I can get a job as a radiographer, go back to working in hospitals, and then see if I can find a job in a university at some stage. But that's not how it turned out. I came straight over into a university, um, so that worked out well. And so how did you get to work at CQU? I had a, we were doing a lot of international work in Canada, and... Um, there was this other guy uh, called David Battersby that was at Charles Sturt University and we were competing for the same work in Canada. And uh, we had a bit of a blue, actually. I wasn't very happy about something he did, so we had a bit of a blue. Uh, and Anyway, uh, didn't think anything of it. Uh, but then a guy just turned up. This is in Lancaster. A guy just turned up one day and the phone rang and said, there's a guy down here from Wagga Wagga wants to talk to you. And I thought they were... I thought they, it was a practical joke, so I said, yeah, of course. So he said, yeah, there is a guy here from Wagga Wagga wants to talk to you. Um, I said, OK, I'll take the bait. And I walked downstairs and I was thinking, Wagga Wagga, where's that? That's in Africa somewhere, is it? And I walked down and there was this guy that didn't look very African... And when he opened his mouth, he didn't sound very Australian. He spoke with a strong Yorkshire accent, saying, this guy, David Battersby, has um, asked me to pop in because uh, we've got a job going for a head of school of radiography at Charles Sturt University and said, would you think about applying for it? So uh, I thought, well, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, so we, well, I, I, I applied for the job. Went and met David, because David was, uh, who has turned out to be one of my best mates, and he's just retired as Vice-Chancellor from Fred Uni. Incredible man. Um, but he comes into the story later. But uh, 
Anyway, so I went to see him because they were running some stuff over in Northumbria in England. So we met there and I met Canice, his wife. Um, and then I applied for the job. And in between applying for the job and getting the interview, we put the house up for sale and sold it. So we, we were pretty committed. Uh, and I remember we had the, uh, I had the interview for the job at three o'clock in the morning on the phone. And I thought, you know, I really want this job. We've sold the house. We've got nowhere to live. If we're not going to Australia, we're in a real mess because we've just sold the house. Um, so I, I thought, what's every kind of question they could ask you at an interview? And they won't be able to see me. So I wrote them all out and I came up with the perfect answers. And I put them all around my office at work. And this is three o'clock in the morning and all the things that, you know, why do you want this job? What experience do you bring? What's challenges have you had where have you failed where have you I had it all ready to go and uh, got into the interview and they put over to the vice chancellor professor cliff blake another amazing guy uh, very um, how can i put it a very individual kind of guy very unusual guy so he said this is uh, Professor Cliff Blake and I'm the vice chancellor i've got a few people here to ask you some questions but i'll start off um, do you have a lot of furniture? Well, I looked round and I thought, well, the one question I haven't got up here is, have I got much furniture? So I said, uh, well, we've got a, a you know, three-bedroom house. And then he just went off. You can't expect to have a global career if you've got loads of furniture, dragging furniture all around the world. And oh, oh. So, it then, so it then went to David. David was the next question. It was, you know, what experience have you got? What do you think you bring to the job? And it went round the room. There's been about a hundred of them all asking questions. Then it came to the end, and it was Cliff again. And Cliff gets back on. He said, uh, OK, one more question. Do you own a grand piano? And I, remember, it was three o'clock in the morning, and all I could think to say was, no, but my daughter plays the clarinet. <laughs> and he said, oh, OK, we'll be in touch. And that was the end of that. And then, you know, Anita's sitting outside the room and sort of said, how did it go? I said, I think it went OK. In fact, in retrospect, it should be really good because um, it, I should have saw this as a good sign because he'd been taken by someone who had come from a long way away and bought hundreds of thousands of dollars and got the uni to pay for the removals and this was the only thing he had in the brain and I think it was probably they were interested in me but they uh, didn't want to uh, uh, bring a lot of furniture over um, so yeah I got the job and we packed up and, uh, and you know I remember when we were flying into Wagga the kids were really excited because you know we'd been that on that holiday and we've been to Cooper Pedy and, so, and they were amazed because they thought all the houses were going to be underground so as we were flying in they said mum dad they've got proper houses they're not all underground so we landed at Wagga and um, sorry I'm getting way sidelined so now we're in Wagga I'm at Charles Sturt University head of uh, department of radiography um, and then an opportunity came up to merge with the School of Nursing, so we became the School of Clinical Sciences. Um, I then went from there to uh, University of South Australia, and that was a big move because I moved away from radiography. That was the first job that had nothing to do with radiography. 
So that was Dean of the Wyler campus. And that's when I got really interested in what universities could do in engagement and with communities. So I was very involved with there. And then I think I became the foundation Dean of community engagement. And then from there, I went up to James Cook University and studied there as Pro Vice Chancellor Cairns Academic Planning and Development. Uh, then became, I think, the PVC International, then became Deputy Vice Chancellor International and Services and head of the Cairns campus. And then the Vice Chancellor's job came up here, and yeah, so I went for it and got it. I mean, CQU looked a lot different back then. How do you think... What was your first impressions of the university when you first came? OK, before I, I applied for the job and had the interview coming up, so I sneaked down there. Although they did the interviews in Brisbane, I sneaked down and had a look at the Rockhampton campus. And I walked around the campus, and my very first impression of the university was someone cares about this university. The grounds were beautiful. The grass was cut, the, the beds looked good, the trees looked great, the grounds looked good. Okay, there were some old buildings that obviously needed a bit of work on them, but the first thing is, there's, it, it may only be one person, but somewhere in this university there is someone or a group of people that really care about it. And I think you get that. When you walk into organisations, you get that feel straight away. You know, you get a feel of what the culture is or whether people care about it. So, yeah, the first... My, that's honestly my very first impression of walking into the university. There are people here that care about this university. Mm -hmm.